Kitchum is a fairly typical coastal town in northwestern Australia that grew up around the state shipping service from the 20s onwards. It's probably best known for an incident when a freighter called the Arthur Haldane sank in a storm a few miles off the coast in 1959. There were about 20 or so men that died and the usual questions about should the captain have been more careful, was he under pressure from the company, all that kind of thing. It's ever since been a part of the town's history, a bit like the Sydney or the Alkamos or all the wrecks around Rottnest Island. They have a little commemoration ceremony every year and what have you. And in 2009, it's the 50-year anniversary, so they're wanting to do something a bit special. Now, since it sank, the Arthur Haldane has been slotted in this trench, which is quite deep and tricky and unusually cold for the area. So most diving technology since 1959 hasn't really been able to explore it properly. But for 2009, the Kitchum Civic Authority found some money and they contacted the company I work for, Seascape Autonomous, to inquire about getting an AUV, that's an autonomous underwater vehicle, to investigate the wreck. I was newish to the company at the time and it was a prestigious but fairly low-risk thing, so I was the tech, the operator that went along with Louise. That's the AUV. They were named after everyone's wives or kids. I forget exactly whose that was. And it was all a bit formal and ceremonial at first. I was in town meetings. I was on the local news, but it was good fun. And when the actual work starts, I'm put away in a room, piloting Louise day by day. Occasionally, some bigwig will come in to have a watch, and every week I'm giving a report to the anniversary steering group committee about what's happened. And obviously there's a minor celebration the first time we read Arthur Haldane on the ship. That's good stuff. And I think following that I got quite into it. Pulling a load of late ones, pot of coffee on the go into the small hours, all that kind of thing. And it's one night that I'm running Lou up over the deck. The ship's kind of on its side about 50 degrees over to starboard. One of the lights on Lou flickers and when it comes back I see this figure this dark figure walking down the deck around the back of the wheelhouse. So I stop Lou and power down, just take a second to process because I must be sleepier than I think, right? Because this figure, it was upright in relation to the deck, like the deck was still horizontal and it wasn't moving like it was underwater. Like even if it was someone in scuba gear, it's incredibly difficult to move like above water gravity is still working. And on top of that, there's no bubbles from a respirator. There's no light reflecting off a mask or a tank. It's just all a bit weird. I take the video and I'll run it back a few seconds to see if anything shows up again, but it, it won't play that bit. It just glitches and flashes an error and there's nothing. It doesn't help. So, okay, I turn in for the night because it's clearly just me, right? It's me being tired. Next day, I've processed it a bit. I'm fresher, clear-headed, giving myself a later start. And I start with a few sweeps of the deck to get last night out of my system, and it's fine. There's no one walking about, no signs of anyone. As the day goes on, I'm thinking about taking Lou below deck. Now, I've been told that as far as anyone can confirm, there are still human remains on the wreck. And I'm as prepared mentally for that as I can be, and the company covers therapeutic aftercare if you need it, so I'm thinking it won't be such a big deal. There is a split in the hull of the Arthur Haldane, and I make sure I get a good look at that for the investigator to go over later. 
and it widens quite a bit at the bottom. And if I'm careful, I can wiggle Lou through the gap and give the committee their money's worth. And it comes through into a... Well, I don't know. There's some machinery, which I presume is part of the engine room, and then a doorway in a long corridor. Lou's light doesn't go much further than the doorway, but it's enough that that I see something go past the end of the corridor. Sorry. And I'm thinking this could be anything. It's some detrius. It's marine life. But there's this part of my brain flashes to what I saw the previous night. Can't help it. And then it comes back. It comes back up this 50 degree angle. And it turns. And it looks. It's just this faint pale blob in the blackness. And I know that our brains are designed to find faces and things. But I know that this is actually there. This is a person with no gear, no nothing, just walking around under the water on the ship. This is impossible. It starts coming up the corridor. As it gets nearer the light, I can... There are bits that suddenly take shape in the harshness of the light. This dark wool hat with a white patch on it, his thick, lumpy boxer's nose, the ginger bits in his eyebrows. I'm like a rabbit in a headlight, you know. I don't know how this can be happening. And, and part of me is still saying, look, he's just being preserved in the cold water down there and Lou's made a current or something and the body's moving. And now he's almost at the doorway. I should be able to see his eyes, but they're just white and hard like these big, awful marbles in his head. And the patch on his hat isn't a patch because I can see the fronds of wet wool at the edge and I know I'm looking right at his skull. And I can take all of this somehow except when he puts his hand on the doorway. And now I'm trying to back Lou up and out of there, trying not to shear or bump into anything or just wanting to turn the fucking thing around so I can stop looking and I half manage it so it's pointing at the wall but then it flips back around and... He's looking right into the lens and he's moving his mouth slowly but definitely. The movements sometimes repeat themselves and I just get somehow that it's a question or a lot of questions about the same thing. There's no sound on Lou though. There's never any need. So he's just staring into this light with his dead eyes, trying to be understood. And I don't know, I can... I only guess that as his head moves about more, he's asking what happened, why they sank, who we are, when are we coming to get them. I know it's not possible for him to see me, but it's also not possible for him to be doing anything. So my head's spinning and I think I black out for a second. And when I look back on the monitor, he's gone. And that's a relief. Until I think maybe he's gone back to get the others. And I back up Lou and pull her out of the hull and away and take the rest of the day off sick. As it is, I've only got about a week and a half more to do. So 
I call my boss and he has a chat with the committee about me finishing early. It turns out they're very happy with everything I've done and happy for it to wrap up a bit early. We're basically at the limit of the budget anyway. It's fine by me. I just have to write up my reports and I can get out of there. If they want to poke around in the wreck, that's someone else's job for another, another time. I wondered at the time whether I should have gone to the company therapist and said something about it, but, but there's a limit, isn't there? There's still a point where a normal person becomes a crazy person, and I don't really care whether I'm actually crazy or not, but the world will. And at the time, I just looked, I didn't need that shit. I just dealt with it, sucked it up. But now, years later, every time there's a patch of darkness in my room, out the window, down the street, I can't look at it. What if something floats out of it, begging me for help again? What if it knows I ran away and just left it there? What if it finds me? Mm -hmm.